everyone and welcome back to season two of another book podcast we had a little break over christmas and the new year but it's so great to be back in 2024 with some more incredible books and incredible guests and what better way to begin season two than with an absolutely wonderful guest like lottie hazel to discuss her incredible debut piglet it was such an honor to have her on the podcast but i felt it only right that she talked to the person that drew my attention to piglet in the first place and that is georgia known to most of you as at georgia.reading on bookstagram so i hope you enjoy this incredibly funny and super insightful episode as per usual a quick disclaimer Despite any connections to the publishing industry, all opinions on books and biscuits are completely our own here at Another Book Podcast. So let's dive into this week's episode. Um, So I just thought we would start with a little introduction about the novel. So it follows Piglet, who um, that is her childhood nickname, which she still uses. And she is getting married in two weeks when her fiancé Kit reveals an awful truth. And then she is faced with the decision of whether she wants to follow the rules or give in to her desires. And I think it'd be good to start with um, where you first got the idea for Piglet. Did the plot or the character inspire you first? Mm. I love hearing people summarise the novel. Sorry, I'm just um, lingering around in your opening. Um, So the first thing that came to me for Piglet was the scene um, where she's cooking for her fiancé Kit after he confesses this um, truth to her um, and they're making carbonara and at that point I didn't know who they were they they weren't named to me um, and I hadn't any idea of what happened between them but the scene of her cooking dinner for him despite something terrible of happening in, having happened in their personal life and it's really um this like dogged pursuit of domesticity and food specifically and cooking, I found to be really fascinating. That felt really interesting, um, a dynamic for me to explore. So that's where I kind of, I stumbled across them there almost kind of, I wasn't looking for them, but they found me um, and I'm pleased I did. And then it kind of grew from there. I kind of, I was discovering who Piglet was, um, and that name came very quickly. She was never called anything else. Um, she was Piglet almost immediately once I started fleshing the story out. And I was kind of working out from there, working out what had gone on between them um, and why their life seemed to be such a pressure cooker. That's really interesting. And did um, the title, did Piglet the title come to you straight away or did you toy with other ideas first or was that I the never character toyed- is Piglet Yeah, the title is Piglet? Yeah, I never toyed with anything else. It just it was I can't I didn't I didn't spend much time thinking about the title. I just named it Piglet in a way that was like a, that it seems obvious to me that it is that's what it should be called. It, I don't feel like it could have been anything else. I didn't try to be more creative than just Piglet. <laughs> it's a it's an excellent title. Oh, it, it really drew me in straight away. Yeah. Um. So you were saying before that, um, you studied food writing for your PhD um and was the research into this one of your favorite aspects of writing the book what would you say your favorite part of writing your book was it's funny because the 
book kind of has two versions. There's the thesis version, um, which is shorter, and there's a few differences. And then there's the version that um, is so wonderfully on your shelf. Um, <laughs> and that version is not incredibly different, but I see it as quite a different um, piece of work in the end. And I think of the two processes of writing those books as they have a distinct branch um, once the kind of main drafting and editing was done. Um, and my favourite part of writing the book, I think in both versions, is I did this thing that I call in like a really tongue-in-cheek way method writing, but I loosely am basing on method acting, but without any of the associated um what polite word can I use? <laughs> um, I suppose deverishness of that. Uh, so I was cooking all the meals in the book that Piglet eats and she cooks. I cooked alongside her to try and develop a kind of sensory empathy and a way of slipping into her um, skin more easily. I feel like that's always what I want to know about characters and people for that matter. I was like, what have you had for breakfast? Did you like it? What does it mean to you? Um and so that was part of my that was my favorite part of writing the book was a kind of research through cooking because what a great excuse to try and make a croque and bouche. <laughs> yeah, really immerse yourself in the novel and yeah. have all that lovely food. One of my favorite parts of the novel was all the different food descriptions. They were just beautiful. The scene with um the curry and the burgers mm. was just I've since reread it and they stuck out to me for a second time. Yeah, they were really they were really fun to write. I think for those scenes especially because there's not it's not a simple pleasure. Um there's a kind of sinister for me it feels like there's a sinister undercurrent in both of those in some ways. And also something else at play for Piglet in both scenes where there's a sense of power, whether she's gaining it or losing it, I think it's underscored and kind of accentuated by the food that's surrounding it. Yeah, and there's almost a insecurity underneath it that she's having to push through, especially when she's eating out and yeah. worrying what people are going to think about her, but also almost trying not to care. Yeah. I found yeah. it so interesting. Um, another thing I really enjoyed about Piglet was um, that it had this amazing wealth of side characters, which were so well-developed that they almost felt real. Um, I think my favourite was Margot, definitely. Um, do you have a favourite side character? A favourite that I actually think is a nice person or a favourite to write? Both. Um, I think in terms of... I think the person that I'd want in my corner would probably be... Margot's wonderful, but I kind of like... I love Franny in a way. I think that yeah. there's, a, like, um, there's something about the sisterhood there that is... There's, a, there's an understanding between them and I feel like she would be a great friend. But my favourite to write was probably Piglet's dad because there's kind of a sadness there and I like the sad. I'm um, When I'm right, I just like, you know, picking at that kind of feeling and um, trying to bring out both the tenderness and the melancholy of it. And so I think to write, that's the kind of character that I like to write because I think it has so much power in the narrative, even in such a small, he gets, you know, relatively short amount of airtime. Um, so yeah, the person I'd actually like to be friends with Franny, the person I'd like to write would be Piglet's dad. I really loved the scene in the kitchen before the wedding with Piglet and her dad, where she's trying to open up to him and he almost feels like he's pulling back because he doesn't know quite how to react in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a scene that made me, really quite emotional because it was yeah. so vulnerable almost yeah yeah I enjoyed writing that one I think 
there's lots of moments in the book where characters are failing one another at really important times where they need to support Piglet failing people and also Piglet being failed by other people. And I think, yeah, I, I really like to, if that can be built up in a way that feels like, oh, that's sad. And then that'd be effective. I'm pleased it made you sad. Hooray! <laughs> um, what was your favourite relationship to write between your characters? Was it Piglet and her dad or did you enjoy another aspect of it? Um, I kind of like the ones that have a bit of a um, a bit of a twist. So I liked Piglet and Darren. I liked writing that. Again, it's like these relationships that are maybe we think we know what's going on there, but they have a bit of a, a kernel of interest in a way that maybe we you could take it in lots of different directions. So I liked writing Piglet and Darren for that reason, um, and Darren's character arc particularly. And I like Piglet and Cecilia as well, Kit's mum, because I think there's such an interesting dynamic between Piglet and a future mother-in-law, especially someone who she aspires to um, or wants to impress. I just think that there's much at play there in terms of her aspiration, a kind of class difference, um, any kind of bodily differences or perceived bodily differences. There was um, lots to get into. I really liked the relationship between um, Piglet and her sister, Fran, mm. Franny. Um, I found it really interesting the different ways that they would interact with each other when different things were going on between them and different the two different sisters having their like own issues and how they would interact with each other and the difference between how Piglet would interact with Margot compared to her sister. I found that dynamic really interesting to read. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's an interesting observation, Piglet and the sister and Margot. Yeah, she treats them quite differently. And they react to her very differently as well mm -hmm. and how she, when she finds out what's happened and... Margot yeah. reacts very differently to how Franny did. Yeah, yeah. Um, just going back to the beginning now, um, when did you first start to write both fiction and your like research into mm. food writing? So I've been my research began in 2019 and I finished I passed my Viva, not the just December gone, but the temp December before that. Um, so it was three years of research, which was great. Like, it was what a wonderful way to spend three years um, researching food, writing, writing, eating pastries. <laughs> what a time, what a life. Um, and But writing fiction, I've written for, eight, for ages. Like, even when I was younger, I remember writing on my parents, like, broadband PC, <laughs> um, like, writing that bits of fiction and, you know, rubbish. But I suppose more seriously... Um, maybe for over 10 years now yeah I suppose so. I, was, I think when I was at university because I studied um, English at uni um, I was starting to think about writing my own stuff um, yeah I suppose I started then I'm really pleased I didn't publish anything then but that's when I started <laughs> do you have any seeds of ideas in the in like a drawer somewhere from when you were writing then that you might go back to at some point I did quite a few short stories at that point because I was just I was on like a right write to submit write to submit and get published and try and um and build up something and I like the I like the ideas at that point but I don't really like the execution and I feel like I've done it and I've kind of um 
I've spent that idea now on something that was not my best, but maybe I'll go back and pillage them. I find it so interesting hearing about how people have those ideas in the back and then someday they just come out again. Mm. And then who knows what can happen with them. Yeah. Um, what about your ideal writing day? If you had a whole day and all you had to do was write, how would how would your ideal day go? I think this is such a hard question because my ideal writing day is like one or two hours of good writing and then I'm off doing other stuff because I some of my most productive time is spent reading or walking around outside and thinking like it's percolating um so a writing day is if I get good words down if I can get you know 500 1000 2000 good words down in a couple of hours and then I can go and watch a great film or read some more of my book and underline it and think wow that's amazing or walk around and some more dialogue floats to me that I can quickly write down on my phone that's a perfect day like I don't I'm not greedy I don't wish for more just a little <laughs> bit of success and that's that would be lovely like when you go for a walk and a great idea comes to you and you're like yes. that's it that's yeah. my work for the day yeah, yeah. I, I think that um I'm kind of having to because I wrote Piglet in a um very structured way and the first draft was really very bad like very very bad um and it was only in a really heavy and thoughtful re-edit did it really emerge in the way that it kind of looks today and I think that I'm trying to adjust more to capturing what feel like good pieces of writing when they come to me out the sky um and being more thoughtful with them rather than trying to just write rubbish down mm. once. Yeah. Um so yeah I'm trying to take if I like you said if a sentence a perfect sentence comes to me whilst I'm out walking that can be counted as valid. <laughs> That's a really interesting idea because I always work with the idea of a blank page is what you don't want and any mm. words are good words. Yeah. But to hear you doing it the other way and wanting to write the good sentence yeah that's really interesting I, I I was and am in your school of thought as well like when I wrote Piglet I was like I'm getting a thousand words down today and they might be complete rubbish but they yeah. were like they were rubbish and it's like I'm interested to discover whether I can skip that phase I yeah. might be a bit ambitious but um yeah I'm I want to try and think more thought think more thoughtfully wow <laughs> what, great, what great description i'd uh, be more thoughtful about um getting the words on the page can i save yeah. time and be more focused about that when i write i maybe like six or seven six out of seven days of the week i will do my thinking mm. and then on that seventh day i will do all the words mm. so friends always joke with me that i either don't write or i write 5,000 words and there's yeah. no in between because I just I am very much I don't want a blank page I just want all the words down and they're not good words because I've written 5,000 words in about five it's hours but, yeah but then I do all my thinking on the rest of the week when I don't have my laptop with me yeah. had a very religious tone that on the seventh day I wrote <laughs> <laughs> and that is currently what's working for me but maybe when I have more time during the week I will try and be more thoughtful. Maybe I'll try that with whatever it's, I decide to do next. It's tricky, isn't it? Because I think that for writers, I don't know if you agree, 
the words on the page feel like, well, I've made progress. I have made progress. Yeah. Your six thinking days are so valuable yeah. um, and will be informing so much of your work that's going to eventually come out. Um, but I think it's hard to attribute value, or I find it hard to attribute value to time where I'm not being visibly productive. I'm not visibly outputting. Yeah, I I measure my productivity on how, how far through I am. Yeah. I have, you know, a very long note on my phone from ideas that have come to me on the, the other six days. Yeah. So I need to start counting that one more. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think you mentioned that earlier that you, your first scene that came to you was the scene where Piglet is cooking for, for Kit. Um, do you, did you write the rest of the novel chronologically or did you outline each chapter before you started and then jumped around based on what you felt like writing? Yeah, I always feel really embarrassed when I'm asked this because I'm not a mysterious writer or, you know, ethereal creative in any way. I'm very plot driven. Um, So once that had come together, I planned the entire book out. Um, And in the edit, I rearranged and I tightened things up and I chopped things out. But I like to have a roadmap. I like to know where I'm going. And that's how I wrote that first draft was okay, these are going to be the beats of the novel and I'm going to write chronologically. And occasionally I jumped forward, like I jumped to do the burger scene because I was like, to keep me going through the, <laughs> through the you know, the shoulder parts of the novel. Um, but now I'm very plot driven. And I think that's, for me, that's important because I'm amazed and in awe of writers who say, I just write and we see where it goes. And it's like, how? Where are you going? <laughs> what will you do? <laughs> me too. Writers who just like, get up and just write beginning to end how do you figure out the pacing on that yeah Yeah. (laughs) I'd spend like 5,000 words describing like one house (laughs) yeah yes yeah don't like don't give me any leeway like I can have no free reign (laughs) this is what we're doing I will massively waste my time if I don't figure out exactly what I'm writing before I start yeah um and in terms of other writers when you were writing Piglet did you have other writers who inspired you Yes, lots. So um, the ones that I think about in relation to my thesis are writers like Lara Williams, um, who wrote the Excellent Supper Club uh, novel. I was also looking at Eliza Clark and Boy Parts at that point as well, mostly about body image and kind of writing about thinking about food or lack of. Um, Megan Hunter's The Harpy as well was really influential in food in the domestic space and using food as a way to kind of attune personality and to aspire to be something else or something, quote, better. Um, And since then, I think um, I've been inspired in the edits of Piglet by people like Elizabeth Strout and Anne Patchett I love, people who write well about what seem to be the human relate like relationships between people and how they can be so um gravitational in our lives and um really change dynamics and the course of what might happen to us the first time i read piglet i w- was reading it when i went to see boy parts in the theater i thought that that read like watching boy parts and then reading piglet and seeing those different ways of talking about food was so interesting yeah and yeah. then the second time I mean, listened to it on audiobook just after it was released yeah and then straight after Red Milk Fed by Melissa Broder which was oh, also a very yes yeah, yeah dynamic between different ways of writing about food and yeah. in relation to women's bodies yes 
and thought that that was really interesting, interesting. pairings are you yeah. do you gravitate towards writing about food or are you just kind of a voracious reader and will just follow whatever you're after I just read whatever my friends tell me to read <laughs> <laughs> it's very diligent of you <laughs> so my friend recently told me to read milk fed so I was like okay yeah, yeah. I will um, <laughs> but I I don't gravitate towards writing about food very much but um I do read a lot of food novels I did yeah. also read recently Comfort Eating by Grace Dent which oh, yes, that's very interesting yeah. it's non-fiction I think yeah, yeah. Um, non-fiction book about food and the weird things that people eat when no one's watching mm. I think one of them was eating beans on toast with crumbled what's-its Oh, which the not kind of melt. I wonder what the structural integrity yeah. of crumbled what's it is. And I couldn't visualise it. Oh, <laughs> like interesting. Yeah, what That's... happens to the what's it? Yeah, I would just imagine it would kind of just like melt away into the beans, but maybe not. I'm guessing. Yeah. And just, I would imagine it not to keep its crunch and go a bit yeah. soft. Yeah. yeah. What would be your um, kind of weird comfort food to eat? I, I love... <laughs> Um, I love plain toast with a bit of butter and then I like dip it in ketchup and marmite. Wow. Marmite mustard. Wow. Marmite would be even weirder. But yeah. Do you think, I think mustard is weirder. What kind of mustard though? Are we talking English? Like American mustard. Okay. So not like properly nose tingly. No. Just a bit. I like the condiment. (laughs) Like a burger with, but with toast instead. Yeah. But also no patty and no cheese no, yeah just, just the bread <laughs> just bread and ketchup or... what about yours <laughs> um mine are really um I wish I had something that was that um mad um <laughs> mine are kind of this, just depressing like scoops of peanut butter just out of the jar or um gherkins straight from the fridge I can eat a lot of gherkins in mm. one go um which made me sweat a bit but there's no regret <laughs> Um, I've also just discovered recently that Marks and Spencer's do this thing called hazelnut cream. Have you come across this? I've heard about this. You've heard tell of them. Yeah. <laughs> do you like ginger buenos or? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. I've not tried it yet, but yeah, maybe that's I'll try that on like toast and replace it, my marmite. <laughs> it would be great on toast. I have never had it on toast because I can never get it out of just and not just eat it straight from the jar. I'm just a I have no, clearly no control or patience. I just want to consume quickly. <laughs> there can be no preparation, not even toast. Just shove it in. I don't know if there's, is there anything else a bit strange that I eat? I don't think so. I think it, it is just the mustard and ketchup on toast. Great, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> um, and moving on to your post-publication um, time because it it was published in the UK on the 25th of January so is that a week or two weeks two I think two yeah <laughs> um what has been your favorite moment from the publication process so far undoubtedly meeting readers and talking about it like it's been so it's been weird because I finished writing it a few years ago um I suppose I've been editing and doing copy edits and stuff but it's been odd to talk about it again with such um just to have people interested in something I have been interested in for such a long time feels like, should I pay you people to do this? Because I'm having a great time. <laughs> and so that's just been wonderful. And I love hearing about what people's theories are. 
um and what people's favorite foods are what they're you know putting out the fridge I just think it's such a book people are such wonderful interested and generous individuals and I I'm just having the time of my life talking to as many of them as possible I always say I've never met a mean book person yeah I don't think so I've always met has always been so nice yeah um what do you think could be improved about the publication process Mm. it's an interesting question I think I think there's a kind of self-imposed like right now I am in my thinking phase read book two Mm. Um, and there's definitely a level of not publisher not pressure from anyone else, but I am putting pressure on myself to be like, well, I probably need to write something else now because I need to crack on with whatever's next. And in a way, this is all interesting. All of this, this whole process is new to me and it's all information. It's all um, something that might inform a creative spark of some idea. And I kind of want to just also exist in that as well without thinking too industriously about the next book whilst also trying to think industriously about the next book so I think it's that that what could be improved is my mindset of not trying to be to jump to the next thing and just exist and enjoy and um also just soak up these moments in the detail of of what's going on because it's all something eventually one could use for a book I suppose (laughs) yeah absolutely just want to to sit and enjoy the moment mm. and then on to book two yes yeah how is your thinking phase going so far I'm really enjoying the thinking phase I kind of have um I'm pretty sure that I have now I start with a few ideas that then dialogue kind of comes to me and I write it down on my phone and I'm thinking no I think this is kind of coalescing into one idea and I enjoy this phase so much um like the next will be properly mapping stuff out and being like hey well we what are we actually doing where are we going um but I like this because I like the kind of carte blanche to read as much as I can to watch as much film as I can and to really immerse myself in the job of inspiration because I think that I was reading something this morning it's the new in haste podcast I don't know if you've heard of it by um Alice Vincent and Charlotte Runch it's just starting it's about I haven't but I will definitely be it's it's a, writing, it's a writing podcast um and they were talking about I think it was Charlotte Runch they do an essay to accompany the podcast which is such a nice way of of doing listening and writing and reading um and they were talking about how indulgent they felt about reading and really actually reading is everything when you're a writer it's just the whole thing and a human mm-hmm. and this is a very long winded so way of saying I'm enjoying the process of thinking I like reading books <laughs> <laughs> yeah reading is one of my favorite parts of my day yeah and I also just find it quite helpful to see what other people are doing and just yeah reading is research like yeah. I feel strongly about legitimizing it as something that's crucial for writers and not like an indulgence like it is like woohoo that it's an indulgence as well like the side effect is but it is essential work as well I think when this is the kind of work that you do I will no longer be feeling guilty about reading do not go forward (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, and if you only had five words to convince someone to read Piglet, how would you describe it? Okay, I had to write these down because I was like, there's no way I'm going to do five <laughs> words of a book that do it just off the spot. So I've gone for pleasure con- control, dark, delicious, and propul- propulsive. I thought I'm not going to try and do a phrase. I'm just going to list words. <laughs> yeah, I I would very much agree with those. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a hard question. Yeah, it was really hard. I was when I wrote the question, I was like, I'm not sure if I could do this. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it needs thinking. I, I think off the cuff is tricky. Yeah. I should have thought of my own five words, but I'm I'm really tempted to fire it back at you, but I thought that would be <laughs> cruel considering how I was like, well, this is a hard question. <laughs> I think I'd go with hungry, vulnerable. I've still got three left. Five's a lot. It is a lot. I thought if I said three, that would be make it harder. <laughs> maybe maybe we'll go for you can go for three. We'll let you off the last two. Now I'm finding it hard to choose just one. Mm. I think I think for the last one I would go with fantastic. George, you can stay. Um, And at the Another Book podcast, each episode ends with a book rating. No, not a book rating, a biscuit rating. Um, So we thought today we would do Krispy Kreme donuts because, of course, the piglet cover has the beautiful donuts on. Um, So what would you rate your Krispy Kreme? What flavour are we talking? Do I get to choose? You get to choose. I've never had an original glazed, so I'm going with... I've never had one at all. (laughs) So I had my first one last year and I had the pink one with the icing on and the jam inside and Mm -hmm. also the ring donut with the pink icing on. So it's very fitting. (laughs) Yes, it is fitting. But I think, I personally believe that donuts should be eaten with custard in is my school okay. of I'm a custard donut kind of person. Um, and to that end, I think there's a Biscoff one, which like mm. recently, since October and onwards, I cannot really stop thinking about Biscoff. I think I might have a condition where I have like a <laughs> obsessive tendency towards it. So that would be, am I, how am I rating? Am I doing like a five star thing? Am I just saying how many I would gorge at one time? What's I the- think maybe out of 10. Oh, out of ten. On the scale of don- all donuts, because I think like god tier donuts. So, like, have you had bread ahead donuts? No. Okay, there's a place in London called Bread Ahead. Do you know Bread Ahead, the bakery? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and they do the um, founder Justin Galatly calls them. Um, I think he calls them custard bombs, and they're like the size of a large person's fist, and they are full of like delicious creme patissier um and the vanilla ones are superb and if you're a jam person they have nice jam as well but as i've mentioned custard forever no, that sounds incredible yeah be giving that's, those a go. Like, that's like my god tin 10 out of 10 donuts so i would put this biscoff one maybe at like a a seven because it's very nice and it's satisfying but it isn't the size of a small person's head so <laughs> i just not you know volume i think matters <laughs> For donuts. Yep, fair enough. And it's interesting to compare them to that on the scale. I think I'd give the ring with the pink icing maybe like an eight. 
Wow, a ring and eight. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was good. nice. I don't. Yeah. I'm not a huge sweet tooth person, so I liked it because it didn't have too like mustard. Much. We've covered this. I think yeah, mustard. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the iced one with the jam in the middle, I'd maybe give a six. It was just a bit sweet for me. A bit too much going on. I could only come off of it. About, like basic supermarket bagged donuts. Like jam donuts. Oh, I love those. Yeah, because I think they might be better because they're kind of nostalgic and you get five of them. So it's like, as I've said, and they're like a pound. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if they're kind of like, I might put them, if I give the Lotus a seven, I might give them like a five or a six. I think that's a good cut. I think that's a good innings. Yeah. But I put a ring donut much nearer to the two. I like a, I like a feeling. Yeah, I'm, I, I think it, just for me, it's a bit too much going on. Yeah. Especially when it's iced on top. I think had it just been filled in the middle, it would have been higher. That's very chic of you. <laughs> Not just get full trashy. I'm like, give me everything. And you're like, no, pair it back. Have some, have some sense. Whereas if it was savoury foods, it would yeah. give me everything. Yeah. <laughs> the ketchup, the mustards, the toast. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't work. Would that work for a donut? Does one do a savoury donut? Oh, um, I've never seen one. No. I'd but be willing to give it a go. Yeah, we could. Yeah, maybe we'll do this afterwards. <laughs> I'm going to make a recipe. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Find that savoury donut. <laughs> um, that's all my questions. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure, genuine pleasure to talk about um, various foods and writing with you. <laughs> and that's all for today's episode. A huge thank you to Lottie and Georgia for not only a great conversation, but also for making me incredibly hungry while listening back to this recording. I think I'll have to go out and buy myself a donut now and recommend that all of you listening do the same. Thank you all for listening. And as always, if you share our episodes on social media, don't forget to tag us at legend underscore times on Instagram and at legend underscore times underscore on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode and make sure you tune in again in two weeks time for a very unique guest. Have a great Monday, everyone.